You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limadine Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. To have your own copy of this reading plan sent straight to your inbox, you can sign up at charlesriver.lmd.church. For more information about Charles River Church, visit charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading 1 Corinthians 15.1 through 16.24. 82 verses today, finishing out 1 Corinthians. Now I'd remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. From the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and you believed." Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it's plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, Then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts in Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. 
Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living thing. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to, to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I'll send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they'll accompany me. I'll visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. And perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you just now in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I'll stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective ministry is open to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way with peace, that he may return to me from expecting him with the brothers." Now, concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He'll come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. 
Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Archaeus, because they have made up in your absence, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla together with the church in their house send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, Paul concludes this letter on a note of unity and love. But before we get there, he talks about the resurrection. Now, this is the big thrust of his argument throughout all of 15. So there appears to be some sort of another faction within the church in Corinth that is saying that there is no resurrection of the dead. You know, if you remember, you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees back in Jerusalem, and the Pharisee party believes in the resurrection, and the Sadducee party does not believe in the resurrection. They only accept the first five books of the Torah. The first five books of the Torah say nothing about a resurrection from the dead. Therefore, there's no resurrection of the dead. Now, Paul has already used this, we've seen in the book of Acts, uh, against to, to pit them against one another as he is put on trial. But... In, in the church in Christ, in, in Corinth, uh, Paul wants to make sure that they're on the same page. There is a resurrection. In fact, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then this thing is nothing. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then even Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. And if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then we're all still in our sins and we're found to be lying about God. We're wasting our time. I'm being put, you know, on trial. I'm, I'm being thrown to wild beasts in Ephesus. I'm be, like... If there's no resurrection from the dead, I am wasting my time. I am. I could find much better things to do with my life than get beat up for a lie. And so Paul is saying, yes, there is a resurrection from the dead. And if you can get your mind around that, that this life is not eternity, but eternity is waiting for us, then you can use this life to impact eternity. To, to grow and to, to, to become more of the person that God has you to become and to bring others with you towards Christ. That we will be granted an imperishable body. So no matter what they can do to Paul in his natural body, he knows that he has an immortal body awaiting for him. And then we get to the, the last uh, chapter where it's revealed that this was sort of a, a missionary letter for Paul that he has said, he, he said, I'm not asking you for anything. I, I can, like earlier in the letter, he said, I, I work with my own hands. I'm not asking you for anything. But now he's saying, concerning the collection for the saints, I don't want anything personally, but I want you guys to put money aside at the beginning of each week so that when I come to you, I'll be able to collect that money and bring it to other churches. So he gives them their final instructions, his plans. Here's what I'm planning on doing. And I love the sign off. 
the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prissa, we already heard them in, in Romans. We know about them from the book of Acts. Together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I think that there is um, a real lesson in 1613 where as like until I get there, here's what I want you to do. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And then he, what does it look like to do all those things? Let all that you do be done in love. Verse 14. Paul's, the theme throughout this entire letter is love. It's the theme of uniting everything in love, that putting others ahead of yourself in love. Be watchful in love. Stand firm in the faith in love. Act like men in love. This is how men act. Putting the needs of others ahead of our own needs. Sacrificing ourselves for the good of the other, for the good of the church, for the good of your wife and the good of your children. Be strong, not wishy-washy, not thrown here and there, but, but to be strong in love. Strong is not yelling. Strong is not tackling people on the football field. Strong is, is, is being watchful, standing firm in the faith, being, letting everything that you do be done in love, sacrificing yourself for the betterment of others. So, uh, as we wrap up today, I'd ask you to consider what does this section of scripture tell us about who God is and what he's like? What does it tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless.